podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Villa View. And once again, there is no need to adjust your, adjust your television sets. I'm just standing in for Dan Bardell uh, at the moment, uh, just for the Villa View for tonight. Um, but I'm not on my own, thankfully, because, uh, as I say, nobody wants to be put through that amount of time just listening to me on my own. But we do have the wonderful Chris Dolan today. So it's like an Irish takeover tonight, Chris. Yeah, can we get some uh, subtitles? Can we get some exactly. subtitles up on the screen? <laughs> Producer Adam, please. <laughs> yeah, turn on the closed captions. Anybody who's watching on this and on, on YouTube, it's just down there somewhere. You'll be able to click on the settings. But uh, yeah, delighted to be uh, to be here and be given the chance to do this tonight. And as always, we're here at the post match point for uh, after the everything game. And as always, the post match point is brought to you in association with Purity. You'll be able to see you can get ten percent off there uh, off any Purity with the code hashtag Villa View. It's important to to get the the podcast partners out of the way, especially early, and and uh, hope that. Uh, they are watching in this um, you know that everybody goes away and buys a small bit of purity uh, over the next few days but um, it would have been I say I suppose I don't know what many people have, have had cracked open a beer by the time the game had started it was a 12.30 kickoff at the weekend and um, it's been one of the few games that we've played I think around midday and uh, it suited us it seemed to suit us anyway because we came out of the traps won the win against Everton at the weekend and um, I suppose best place to start Chris is the team that Stephen Gerrard put out. Talk to me about it. What were your feelings on it? Because it seemed to be wildly, wildly um, well received. I yeah, I mean, it was as it was as strong as we've got, really. If you think about it, I mean, on paper, that that's 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 our best eleven. Um, you know, some would argue maybe you play Ings up top ahead of Watkins, but for me, on paper, that's that's our best eleven. Um, and again. Uh, look at Dean and, and Coutinho are only going to get better and better um, yeah I mean I think the bench wise I still think we were a little bit short but you know we've still got Bailey to come back we've got Trower to come back from the AFCON we've got still got Nakamba who's out we're going to probably bring in another two I would say another two players in the, in the next in the next four or five days um, it's looking it's looking a lot more it's looking a lot a lot healthier put it that way than um than it was say three two three months ago um i think that, that team back in front it, it, it does really look impressive um there's just there's a lovely there's a lovely blend now of of um of of youth and experience um and even even the younger lads like ramsey you, you mean you forget what is he 19 20 i mean he's again he's just getting better and better and better and you know, just tie him down to some kind of lifetime contract, please. Um, because he he really is. He's he's going to become um, he's going to become you know another level. And it's not going to compare him to Jack Grealish because they're different players. But Grealish made Grealish made his name in the Championship, and Ramsey's making his name in the Premiership. That's all I'm going to say. You know, in terms of he is playing against the best teams and the best players week in week out, and he's more than holding his own, if not being you know, one of the, the best players. I mean, he's had, what, two or three man of the matches now for us this season under Gerard, scored a couple of goals, um, few assists, you know, box to box wins. You know, 
he can he can do the nasty side of the game. He can play, he can play, he can pass, he can score, he can he can run half of it, the length of the pitch and score an absolute worldly as well when he wants to. So um as you said, Neil, yeah, it was it was as strong as we're as we're gonna be in terms of the starting starting eleven. Um we'll come on to it later on, but if we bring in if we bring in Bentacore, maybe you, you look at Louise coming out and then that, that really is then. That really is a solid top top six, top eight team, in my opinion. I think you're right. Yeah, it's uh, you know the team is beginning to take shape, and uh, you know we had we had some players coming back into the team there. Obviously, Mings came back, in, or sorry, uh, McGinn came back in there yeah. in midfield, and 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 he does make a massive difference. Uh, you know, I, I I've used the word to describe him before as endeavor, and and when he gets in and around the field, it really really makes things happen. You mentioned about Ramsey as well. That's a great point you made about Ramsey that. He's not doing this at uh, at a low level at all. He's doing this at a high level in a high league. And nothing against Jack. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just comparing no. the fact that they're both they're both obviously academy um, academy players, and that they're you know we lost we lost arguably one of the greatest players that we've ever seen in the Villa shirt. Um, and it's just it's just so satisfying to see someone so quickly come through and potentially be as good or will be as good. Um, and will be as much of a household name as, as Jack Grealish. But my point being is he's he's cutting his teeth in the Premiership, which is, as we all know, the best thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like even so much so when, when we talk about that team in general, you know, you, you didn't even mention the Philip Coutinho made his made his debut, and mm. and like three weeks ago, everything everything was about Philip Coutinho, but he made his debut, played okay. We didn't, and we showed mm. that. We didn't need to go through him for yeah. absolutely everything in this game as well. And I thought that that was really important because he had Jacob Ramsey behind him and yeah. Jacob Ramsey was tasked with carrying that ball forward an awful lot in, against Everton. And, uh, you know, he didn't seem phased by having the third most expensive player in, in, in the world in front of him either. And, and that's the show of the man. And whenever you see him being being interviewed after the game and such, he's just such a humble young guy. Yeah. And long may that continue because the longer you can you can hold on to that humbleness, um, you know, the I suppose the hungrier you will be within the game. Also, just at the start of the game, um, there was, uh, I suppose, we, we had been wondering what decision would be made in the striking department. And uh, and Jared went with Watkins up front as opposed to Ings. Um, obviously, that's going to be a talking point throughout the, cor- the course of the rest of the season. I would imagine that the two tens are going to be the two tens, and we w- we won't see Watkins back there in that ten position as much as we have at the start of the season. Do you feel that maybe Watkins needs to do more to sell to cement that down, or do you think that it would be a consistent kind of interchangeability between himself and things? I thought that's be the funny one for Watkins. I mean, the whole Watkins and Ings thing, you know. Danny, yeah, you know, I was crying out for an extra striker. We needed that extra bit of quality um, from the bench. But when you bring someone like Danny Ings, he's almost undroppable because of his because of his record, and 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 Watkins is also undroppable as well because of of of, of what of what he did for us last season. And I think that was almost in a way Smith's undoing was trying to get them both into the team at the same time. And it just doesn't. It it for me it it, it hasn't worked. And um, I, th- I I don't know who who made the point that if you look at the the Ings goal against you know that was obviously wrongly chalked off. Like him, him and Watkins both gone for the same ball, you know, and and it, it almost feels like the, the it just does not as a as a partnership it doesn't work. And um, I really want Ings to 
to to sort of to to, to click in the gear and fire fire on all, on all cylinders. But for for whatever reason, well, let's say but for for whatever reason, for the reason of the fact that Watkins is kind of for me, you can't drop Watkins and he plays his best football through through the middle. And I think Gerard wants to keep Coutinho and Bundia on the pitch at the same time. Um, you know, we got our wits, we got our wits from our fullbacks. Hence why he brings in Luca Dean. Cash is getting better and better, I think, on a Gerard. And um, you know, we play really neat football um through the lines, really intricate one-two passes, um, balls through the Evan Needle, and we get our wits from our fullbacks. We don't necessarily get our wits from out and out wingers. Um so yeah, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna play your best eleven, I still think Ings is, is more I think Watkins is more effective in the Villa shirt than Ings is. Um but there was a stat going around that um, minutes per goal. Um, Ings has got a better ratio this season than, than Watkins in, in the Premier League. So if you're going to go go down the stats routes, then Ings is actually, you know, has got slightly uh, improved stats on Watkins. I think I I think I, I read something about that as well. That Ings had something like one goal every 180 minutes, and Watkins is like one goal every 210 or yeah. something. I won't be quoted on that. I actually think I did. I wrote it down on a stat sheet for one of my own podcasts, but I can't quite remember what it was. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to try and dig it out. But it is an interesting one, I suppose. That look, it's it's a good problem to have yeah, because you're not going to be able to keep those two players down for too long. Like Ali Watkins is going to want to get into the into the squad for Qatar, the English squad for Qatar, and look Danny Ings is going to want to going to want to come in and score goals because he looks like he, like he's a guy who's lost a portion of his career to injury and yeah. he knows that you know once you get over 30 your time is short so he's going yeah. to want to score goals stay in the Premier League and keep and, and keep earning a good wage obviously he's got a long a long contract at Aston Villa and and I don't see him as somebody that will be expendable to the club in any time in the fu- in the near future but I do find that uh, Jared and and Mick Beale and and Gary Mack are going to have to sit down and probably find out how best to get um how to get the best out of both of those strikers yeah. even if it is in two separate systems yeah but I mean um, again um, it's rather interesting stats Watkins has the most goal con- contributions under Gerard out of any mm-hmm. out of any Villa player since he's since he's taken over so he's four um in terms of goals and assists so you know in that in that sense he's been more productive under under Gerard but he's nowhere near the player that he what we saw he he looks he almost looks frustrated I mean, he's one of these players, Watkins, and, and this is probably a bit silly on my part, but I always look at players' reactions when their teammates score. And uh, yeah, there we go. Perfect. That's the stat we were, we were talking about. Watkins is average in goal every three and six minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 slightly more, uh, slightly higher um, or slightly more improved stats on, on Ings' part. But you, you look at the goal contributions since George take over, Watkins is four. Um, for for contributions and Ings only has one. So, in that sense, um, Watkins has been more more uh, productive. But I just think I don't know. Watkins' body language has been slightly alarming this this season. I don't know what you think, Neil, but it just seems to be a little. It seems to cut a slightly more frustrated figure this season. Um, almost like he's trying too hard. You know, like he has to he has to improve on last season. Whereas last season was kind of like the unknown. So he kind of had a free hit, whereas he's probably put a lot more pressure on himself. He wants to break into that England squad and, and into the World Cup squad. And for me, just it just hasn't quite worked for him this season. It hasn't quite clicked. Um, but then he's, he's had chances. I mean, he's, he, I think that the, 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 the Everton, that the, the, the header, that close range header was kind of summed the season up a little bit. Uh, you know, first start, he was, 
about three yards offside, um, and he missed he missed the header from 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 about two yards out. So I think that passes the play kind of sums sums him up this season and, and kind of sums his, his his form up for us. But um, listen, with with Watkins, you know, he runs his socks off. He runs his socks off, and he and he works he works the channels as well. Uh, he's so productive. So um, he he offers you a lot more than just goals. Um, but it's been frustrating for him this season. And just to pick up on what you said there about his demeanor, and I think the fact that he's been pushed from pillar to post to try and, you know, find... Yeah, it uh, Yeah, to find a settled team, I think, this season. Even when Leon Bailey's been in, you know, sometimes he's played on the right. Sometimes uh, Ings was up top and he was pushed out onto the left as well. And, you know, you mentioned at the start that he, he does his best work going through the middle. And I think that's where he sees himself wanting to play because, you know, at times when he was caught, when he was... In the, in the England squad, it was arguable based on his form that he could be the next man up if Harry Kane was to get injured and yeah. they weren't going to play Sterling in that in, in that, that frontal role. So maybe he wants to get back there as well. You know, he hasn't really capitalised on the fact that Patrick Bamford has been injured. No. Um, he hasn't really capitalised on the fact that he's a completely different striker to, to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And, you know, we're coming into Qatar uh, at the end of this year and he probably knows himself that he's got the next what four and four and a half months mm. to really kind of either well cement his place on, on on the plane now as opposed to being previously he would have been trying to cement his place as the next best striker up after Harry Kane so yeah. there is that little bit of added pressure and I think that's where the frustration is coming from because he is a selfless type of character whereby he was willing to go out and play on the wing and sacrifice himself in that situation to try for the betterment of the team to try and fit everybody in um, and and even playing in a two up top you know winnings when we were playing uh, 3-5-2 as well so it hasn't been the most stable of years for Ali Watkins but going forward I think with Coutinho and Bundia behind him yeah. he he should be able to flourish and we didn't even mention Bundia oh, and just, I mean, honestly he has been he has been out of this world for us over the last three or four games, I think he's just getting better and better and better. He's a joy to watch. He's an absolute joy to watch. Um, he, he's just been brilliant. He's been brilliant. And, um, you know, he, another another player to have quite a slow start. But I think most, I think in general, we had a, we, we've had a slow start of the season, but he is just getting, he's getting better and better and better. And I just, I, I just honestly love, I love the guy. I think he's going to become a real cult hero, a real whole tent hero for us. And, He's been he's been phenomenal. Would you have had, or would you have been able to go in and put a bet on any bookies to, uh, that Emmy Buendia would score the only goal from a header, and no. he would more or less literally head it over somebody who was on the line? Like there, there, that's a once in a lifetime goal, I think, for me for, to to see for Emmy. Although, if you look at the if you look at the replay, Pickford Pickford just gets a, a touch on it, which takes it does. slightly above Townsend's. Um, so there was a bit of luck in that, but. Um, yeah, Ponte has been been uh, outstanding. He's uh, he, he's he's kind of like he's kind of like a little Argentinian John McGinn, you know. He he's just a little rock water. He just he's he he plays. He can you know he he can be a bit nasty. Like he he can stick his foot in, and he's he's got he's got a streak to him as well. You know, he isn't just all he isn't just all flicks and tricks. He really works hard for the team, and um, you know, I think it, this could be the, the the perfect foil for Coutinho because. We talked about the pressing game that Jar wants to play. We know Coutinho is not going to be, uh, you know, not going to be pressing as high as Jar wants him to. But when he has that axe of Coutinho, almost in the dirty work for him, it, it frees up Coutinho to to do what Coutinho does best. Um, 
And I just think together, honestly, once once this clicks, and I'm 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 a little bit frustrated that we've we've got to wait now two weeks until Leeds, because you know off the back of that uh, second half against United, off the back of the win against Everton, Coutinho coming in, Dina coming in, it's just starting to build a little bit of a little bit of um, momentum and. And and, the, and to wait now sort of two weeks is is a bit frustrating. But then you, you look at the positives; it'll help Luca Dean settle in. It'll help Coutinho settle in. Gerard, I know, was talking. Uh, he's spoken a lot about not getting enough time on the training pitch with the players. Yeah. So it gives him more time to settle in, and 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 you know, because Christmas was so, was so hectic. You know, he came in at such a hectic time. So to have those that sort of little two week breather where he can maybe spend a bit more one on one time um, with the squad, I think, could be invaluable. But um, certainly started the second half of the season um, with real purpose. Another man that you mentioned there as well, uh, new arrival to the club, Luca Dina. Mm. Uh, like a lot of times, especially, you know, I suppose when, when I'm going to say when I was growing up, maybe maybe about 20 years ago even, you know, your full backs wouldn't have been, uh, you know, you'd buy a left back or right back and you'd be going, okay, right, what we're going to do is we're going to, they're going to dig in and we're not going to concede goals. But he's been a huge, huge asset going forward for us mm. and something we would have expected. But, mm. you know, it's kind of one of these things when they play for a different team, you don't know how good they are going forward or you don't know how much the rest of the team look to him and trust him to carry the ball forward. My God, did they trust him to do that against his old team uh, and, on Saturday? And and he got his he got his rewards being the man who crossed in the ball to get that assist. But, Obviously, there was an unsavory incident after the goal. I don't know how much time we want to spend on it or if we want to talk about it too much. But, you know, um, there has been somebody has been reprimanded for it. I can't remember. I don't know what has happened, but there was a bottle thrown afterwards. And uh, do you think maybe like, you know, that I don't even know what question I want to ask for because it's pretty sh- pretty awful thing to do and um, i had to check myself there this is my own podcast i can't be swearing all over the place of this podcast but uh, it's not it's a pretty awful thing to do uh chris but you know um for for for, the, for something like that to happen in such a kind of a high profile game on tv i don't think any player deserves that regardless if he's just left your club and he's come back you know you don't chuck a bottle from the stands and i don't think that's indicative of everton fans either because i've been to i've been to goodison twice and i've had some really good i've had two really good trips to goodison i've sat in the sat in the home home end both games weren't even playing against villa one was against man city when uh when uh, georgia samaras made his uh, made his debut for man city and uh, uh I can barely remember the other one, actually. But, uh, you know, there's, they're a good bunch of fans. But you never really want to see anything like that in that incident, in the bottle-throwing incident. But uh, so hopefully uh, that kind of draws a line under the toxicity. Yeah, between- I mean, it happens. It happens. But um, I think what gets me about, you know, certain football fans is they they can give it. They can give it out. They give it out in absolute bucket loads to players. Yet if a player reacts and gives them a little bit back, it's like, how dare you? You know, and, and you, you could see my cash, like, Matty Cash was giving it stacks. You know, you could see that. And um uh and yeah, I mean it's uh it was a look at a bottle and a couple of coins. It's it's not it's not um it's not big and it's not clever. Uh there was actually um I was watching the Toffee Toffee TV um post match reaction and, and obviously, you know, what it happened when 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 this when a set of your fans behave like that, you know, it sort of th- does put a little bit of a, a dampener on on the um you know on the entire fan base. And you know, he's speaking about you know fans wanting to be treated more like adults and wanting to have wanting to be able to drink beer during the game, as you see in, in other sports and um 
and you know how, almost have that trust between um, the the players and the fans. But but you know there's always there's always going to be those mindless idiots that uh, that just can't help themselves. But there's a great clip if you look at the pit side uh, the pit side footage from Villa. Uh, Conza picks up the bottle of of Lucid, opens it, has a swig. Chucks it away. So um, I thought Mings's post-match, I thought Mings's post-match, uh, post-match interview was 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 very impressive as well. He was kind of saying, "Well, if that's all they've got to intimidate us, then then fair enough." But um, the good thing about when, when that kind of thing happens, you just know that Gerard's just you know he isn't going to let them feel sorry for himself. You know, like Gerard for me was the master antagonist. You know, he loved to wind fans up. So he knows how to deal with it. Uh, you know, he, he knows how to how to take flack from uh, from away fans, and um, he would have you know he would have said all the right things at halftime. And yes, we didn't we didn't uh, have a great second half, but it didn't affect us at all. No. Yeah, and after the game, he was only short of doing his trademark run over to the camera and kiss it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was he was delighted, and he he gave them he he put it this way: he had his little bit of fun with the with the Everton fans afterwards as as well. Um, what like speaking of Everton, what what are they at at the moment? I suppose, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I kind of mean like, why? Where do you see Chris? Where do you see based on what you're seeing on Saturday? Where is next for Everton? Because they really didn't kick into gear until they put two big men up top mm. and really went Duncan Ferguson style and went yeah. right up uh, up against us. And I was happy with the way that we played against that. That he, albeit we gave up a lot of chances. Yeah, but you say you, you say that, but did they really have any real clear cut chances? Did Martinez make it. make any real saves? I mean, the only I think they only had like two shots on target. One of them was a Gordon free kick, which was going wide anyway. And the other one, I believe, was the the one where Mings and Martinez kind of combined to, to clear off the line. Apart from that, it was just a couple of headers over, over the bar. There's one from Richardson, I think one from Mina. Um, and yeah, they they you know they they just went very direct. And um, when you go direct like that, it's a, it's a sign that, that you don't trust your your players to play football. And I think there's just a massive confidence issue at that club. And um, you know, there's clearly. Um, a lot of internal issues that are filtering out onto the pitch. And it almost reminds me a little bit of the year we went down. Um, the whole board level, you know, there's having, having, you know, football men or having non-football men on the board, making bad decisions, um, you know, almost like a fallout of, 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 of employing bad managers and bringing in players that don't want to play, for, you know, don't really understand the club and the philosophy and they're on loads of money and, there's just there seems to be a real a real uh, lack of harmony um, around the club at the minute, and if they are careful, they could get sucked. They could get really get sucked into to. I know they're in a battle already, but I mean this this could this could this could carry on. You know, they haven't won a game since what Arsenal, which was what was that like November one mm. when, when they beat Arsenal in the last minute two uh, one. Um, but it was always gonna it was always gonna happen. I mean, you know, we could see it a mile off. Um, being Villa fans, uh, employing employing Rafa Benitez was was never going to work. It was never ever going to work. No matter how good his CV was or what he had done in the game, it's never. It doesn't matter. It's never going to work. Um, we saw that with McLeish. For us, it was a bit more raw because he had just taken Birmingham down and he moved straight from Birmingham to us. Whereas whereas Benitez has kind of been been out of. Anfield for what a decade or so now. Um, mm. So for for us, it was a lot more raw. 
and a lot more um you know we 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 we, we kind of really really felt that appointment more so maybe than the Everton fans but just it just shows you know you can have all the money in the world um but they they don't know how to spend it and even when you bring in the likes of Ancelotti he can't get get a tune out of those players so if one of the greatest coaches uh, of all time struggles to get a tune out of those players then you're going to struggle and I think with Everton they just need to rip it up and start again as Edwin Collins said um yeah they just need to start again they just need to really just go back to basics and um there's a lot of players there that are that are taking the club for a ride and you know we we know we know all about that as Arsenal fans the players that have come and gone been through our club taking it taking it for a ride and done nothing and uh, given nothing back um and it's 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 sad to see it's sad to see but um they're they're in a real they're they're in a real battle and you know, I would, I would, I would say playing in front of those home fans at the minute. You know, we, we've spoken to ex-players, and we know what it was like, um, what, what what the whole thing can be like um, when we're in in a bad run of form. And I can imagine that, that crowd are really starting to turn now, and uh, and that can sap the confidence out of, out of those players. And um, yeah, even the likes of Calvert Lewin, he just looks way off at the minute, um, and. You know, there's a there's a, a stat actually as well. Uh, um, talking about Andre Gomez, he you know he, he was quality when he came in, absolute quality, and and he's gone off the boil. There's a stat that goal, a tweet that goal put up on on Saturday between 2016 and 2018. Barcelona spent a combined 213 million euros on Gomez, Dean, and uh, Coutinho, Coutinho and Yer- and Mina. and uh, they all played today for Everton against Aston Villa. <laughs> so that's why Barca are where they are. And, uh, and that's probably why Everton are going to be, you know, uh, just 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 haven't got it right on and off the pitch. And um, again, we're so thankful for, for the owners that we have, the CEO that we have, the board that we have. They, uh, they've, they've got in football people who know how to run a football club and they've left them, and they've left them to it. And you can't ask for any more. Yeah. It looks like they're they're most likely going to get their get a managerial appointment soon. I think it's Vitor Pereira, for, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, former Porto Olympiacos, Fenerbahce manager from from memory. Um, yeah, I don't a know any about him. Record, but he's he's won he's won a lot. But like most mm. recently, he's you know he was he was managing Fenerbahce for the second second period of time. But like a lot has to be said for having experience in the English game, especially when you're going to be in that dogfight. But uh, they they seem to have pinned their colours to the mast there, and he seems like somebody who will come in. It's a lot of, lot of Champions League experience, so yeah. maybe that might stand to him. And maybe maybe dealing with with the big characters that he has there, and the likes of Richarlison, the likes of Ducare, um, you know, they've got quite a lot of internationals, like like you mentioned, Andre Gomez mm. there as well. And, and and maybe that might be something that they might need somebody just to come in there and whip them into shape as well for for a short period of time. Before we move on from the match, what's your view on the Claret and Claret? Lovely, uh, Claret. Do you like yeah, it? Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's funny. It takes me a while to adjust to it. So when I look at it, I'm kind of going, "Oh, something doesn't look quite right." But then no, by the great. end of the game, and especially when we win, I love it. Yeah, real school feel to it. Real retro look to it. Yeah, it was great. It looked great. The whole Claret thing was. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I was a fan of that for sure. Well, as long if we keep on winning one nil and keep on playing like we did in the first half, then I'm okay with it. We can wear that every single game and uh, every single week. 
So you mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, Chris, Rodrigo Bentancourt seems to be somebody who is very much high on the top of our shopping list at the moment. Anywhere between 16 and 18 million is what's been mm. quoted for him from Juventus. I'm a huge fan. I mentioned his name about five or six weeks ago on my own podcast mm-hmm. um, about it that I maybe wouldn't spend all the money in the world on Basuma. I would go and maybe buy somebody like a Bentancourt. You never really think that something like that's going to happen. And it looks like it's pretty much far down the line with Juventus buying Vlavic. You know, they're going to need to recoup some money. And um, they are also linked with another Uruguayan midfielder from Calgary as well. Um, a man whose name, Nandez, I think his name is. Yeah. I don't know a whole pile about him that will come in and, and, and replace Bentancourt, which I think can be good, mean, be good news for us. But what, what's your views on that? You know, when he, he's... He's a bit marmite with the with the mm. Juventus fans and, and and something I've gone through before, but I'd like to get your own views on it and if you've seen anything of him and what you feel fit in. I don't know anything about him at all, apart from uh, apart from his wiki page and watching some YouTube clips. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've got a friend who's, who who knows his who knows his European football and uh, he speaks very very highly of him and he. Uh, you know, you, you don't play 131 times for Juventus if you're not if you're not if you're not a top drawer player. Um, you know, I know he came in. He, he came in. He was very young, but, but he must have been what 18, 19 when he came from Barca. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, six six two. I'm, I'm taking this from his wiki page. So you know, he's he's not like a mad. He's not like the the sort of giant CDM that we were kind of envisaging. But um, from what I from what I gather. And from what I've read and um, clips I've seen, he um, he can play a bit as well. He can he can certainly he can he can play a bit. Doesn't score many goals, two in 131 games, but um, he uh, yeah. I mean, again, played for played for Baca, which is some environment to to play in and grow up in. Um, you know, playing for Uruguay, he's got what 45 caps for Uruguay, Juve for for three for, what five five years. What's he won at Juve? A couple of Premier Premier League, t- a couple of Serie A titles, Coppa Italia. You know, like the guy, the guy's got pedigree, uh, and he's a winner. Um, and if Steven Gerrard wants to buy a midfielder, you know, if anyone's gonna gonna buy a midfielder, and I trust him to buy a good midfielder, it's Steven Gerrard. So if Stevie G likes him, then I like him, and I'm fine with it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think you seem to, you know, I watch your podcast on him because again, I, did, I didn't know too much about him. Um, obviously, I've, I've, I've heard about him a bit like, a bit like Leon Bailey, you know, you, you hear these names across Europe, but you don't, you know, I, I don't have the time to sit down and watch Bundesliga or, or Serie A. Um, but you, you, you do hear these names, you know, you, you, you hear them branded about um, Sky Sports News and, 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 and on Twitter. Uh, and he was certainly a player that I, I knew of, but had never, never really seen um, much of. So, yeah, I mean, you give me your take, give me a few lines on him, and uh, a bit of a bit of inside knowledge. Yeah. So, look, as I say, the biggest thing is that a lot of people are kind of seeing what Juventus fans are thinking of him right now. This minute, eighteen months ago, eighteen months previous to this, he was the best thing since sliced bread, and he hasn't mm. gotten. It's not like he's regressed or anything like that. Yeah. He's played in four different systems in four years, albeit the it bookended by um, uh, Allegri. Allegri, he started his career with Allegri, and now this year, uh, Allegri is managing him as well. But the biggest thing is that 
he's been caught between two stools, central midfielder or defensive midfielder. He's kind of playing in a in a four two three one now with uh, with Allegri and himself and Locatelli are playing in that in that in those those two kind of six positions. But they're given plenty of free reign to go forward. I think a lot of the times when he's played as a central midfielder, he's expected to create an awful lot more. Mm. But what you see from him, and even I watched the game against uh, against Milan at the weekend. I saw your like tweets. Just, I was I was keeping an eye on your tweets as well because I wanted to see what. <laughs> how he was playing so yeah he's I just mean, an interception machine you know yeah. he's a he's a gangly lanky type player as you said he's 6-2 but he's not that big filled out player togs out huge no he was one of these guys at, at the weekend that wore short sleeves and uh gloves so okay. um you know where i come from that is that's you're not allowed to do that that's a no you know? <laughs> you're not allowed to do that but i will i'll be okay with him if he intercepts as much as he did at the weekend one thing i did find i do find from watching him and, and i do have um I do have some scout. scout I, I've been lucky to be able to acquire some scouting software. Mm. or have access to it, should I say? That uh, thankfully I don't. Uh, I don't pay for. But um, that's that's. Uh, it is fully but, above board, and it is all mm. legal. It is fully above board, and it is all legal. But uh, what I find from him, from watching him, and even watching him through the years, is you know he's. People will look at him and sometimes you'll think he's a bit lazy because he's got this really, really long stride. And when he's trying to get back, there was a couple of times I was screaming at him going, oh my God, will you get back, please? You're never going to make it. And next thing, all of a sudden, his legs just seem to extend like, Mm. you know, Inspector Gadget or something like that. And he just gets back there. But no, a very, very solid player. He's going to bring that bit of height in midfield, as you said, like 6'2 isn't a giant, but it's bigger than what we have. And um, he's a composed type player as well. His as I say, interceptions all the way up there. He can pass the ball as well. He's a very good passer of the ball. Pass completion rate at eighty-seven point five percent. And um, you know, he's been given a lot of work to do in that in in, in when he's played in central midfield, he's mm. been given a lot of work to do. So when you bring him back into that defensive midfielder position, he could be the perfect pivot to accept the ball from Mings and Kanza so that when there isn't anything on, we don't have to go along for Mings all the time. Yeah. And that's not to say that Douglas Louise can't do that. He's been doing it actually really, really well the last two games, slotting back in between the two centre halves, allowing Buendia to come deeper to pick up the ball as well. Um, Betancourt, as I say, you know, one of the big things I will say about him is that, well, I have waxed lyrically about him over the last week about, uh, about what I think he can bring to the team. You're never going to know how good a player is going to be until they come to the Premier League because yeah, it's exactly a league man. like no other. It's a league like no other. Yeah. And, you know, even though he has, I think he's he's in the top eight or nine percent of midfielders for getting his pass away on target while under pressure. You know, you up that if he's under pressure in the Premier League, you're going to up that by almost you know fifty percent when you come to the come. Or sorry, in Serie A, you're going to up it by fifty percent when you come to the Premier League. So you know that's that you is going to have to remain that, rock like, solid. You look at that UV squad as well, and some of the players they've got. You know, yeah. some of the players they've got on their on their on their books. I mean. You know, Cellini, um, DeLitt, obviously Aaron Ramsey's there, uh, Winston McKenney. Um, you know, he, he would have been playing with Ronaldo, Marquisio. So, you know, he's, he's playing with with world-class players yeah, throughout 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 that team. And, and when you train with world-class players and play with world-class pe- players on a daily basis, you you you, you know, you're gonna you're you're gonna really uh improve you and that's what Stephen George wants that's what he wants and I think there's no secret he's made no secret about that he wants he wants to bring in proven proven winners and I think that an interview with um, Perslow um, before the United game was a really interesting one um, George Mantra is he wants to bring in players that have that have been there and done it he wants to up the average age slightly he wants to get a bit more experience in there and he wants to bring in players that have won trophies um, uh, you know across the career and 
And, you know, he's brought in Coutinho. You know, his CV speaks for itself. Luka Dean has played at a very, very high level uh, for, for France, for Barcelona, uh, and knows the Premier League in, in, inside out. And um, and if we bring in... Um, if we bring in another uh, another centre back, and, and if we if we can bring in uh, Bentecor uh, on um, what for twenty million quid, I think it's it's been a an unbelievable window. And you look at Newcastle and and what they're doing, and uh, I think clubs are just trying to mug them off. You know, um, everybody knows how much money they've got, and uh, their uh, clubs are just going to be playing hardball. I mean, they're trying to get this guy Diego. What's his name? Diego. This the centre back from Seville, yeah, um, uh, and Diego the, Carlos. Diego Carlos is it, and they've like they've, yeah. they've, they've upped it to like 40, 40, 45 million euros, you know. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we've so far had a, an unbelievable window, and um, we've still got the likes of Bailey to come back. Um, we haven't seen, we've seen nowhere near enough of him uh, this season at all. Uh, so. All in all, it's looking pretty. It's, it's looking pretty tasty. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident we'll get um we'll get bent the core. Still interested in in the centre back. Still still not sure who we could go for as a as a as 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 cover. But um, who? What are your thoughts on on another centre back? Yeah, uh, Omar asked me this as well. We were doing the preview show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely mm. need one. I, I think for sure we definitely need one. Um, but who comes in? I think it's going to be a real left field one, unless Stephen Jarrett picks up the phone and makes the call to Rangers for Connor Goldson to come in and be our fourth, uh, fourth center half. But then, you know, you've got a Connor Goldson Courtney House partnership potentially that might be needed at some stage during the season. And I just mm. don't know. But my feeling is we're not going to go and blow 20 or sorry. I keep on using the word blow and, and, and that makes it sound very negative, but go and spend 20, 30, 40 million. I center have right now. Uh, I think it certainly will be a stopgap. Um, I thought that either the defensive midfielder was going to be a stopgap or the central center half was going to be a stopgap. This is this transfer mm. window because I don't envisage just spending money on both, but, yeah. uh, but there's seven days left in the, six days left in the in, in the transfer window, and um, I think they will need to go and dip in for a centre half because you can't really rely on a Josh Feeney or a Lamar Bogard, you know, specifically where we're looking to go in the league. And if we are to push up towards the European positions, maybe it might be a small bit too far to get up there at the moment. But yeah. every place is is good PR for Aston Villa at the moment. And as I said, they want they want uh, gradual progression. And um, I think they're going to need to bring in somebody and uh, somebody I think that might be more of a functional statistical fit. Our statistical and systemic fit, I think, than a massive name into that uh, to that uh, central central defensive role. Um, just one last thing on Bentancur as well. I suppose one of the biggest things I think that Aston, if we do sign him, one of the biggest things the Villa fans, uh, myself included, are going to need to get used to is, you know, I mentioned at the very start, John McGinn being an endeavour player, he gets around the field. Douglas Louise gets around the field. You know, he runs he runs two places very quickly, and the same with Jacob Ramsey. With Benton Courier, you're not going to see him like in Angola Kante or, uh, or, or John McGinn, mm. like sprinting around the field everywhere. He just won't do it. He's got a languid style. And at times it's going to grate against me, but believe me, he gets there and he gets his foot on the ball and he he um, he does make interceptions at an unbelievable rate. Like he's a top 10, he's top 10% uh, player in the top five leagues in Europe for interceptions over the last 365 days. And uh, yeah, as I say, he does, he has dropped one or two big high profile clangers, but 
but uh, he's 24 years of age and um you know he's he's done an awful lot more good than he's done not good in his career mm. so far. I kind of worry I worry though this may spell the end for Douglas Elise. Um there is talks again today about 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 Arsenal oh, wanting to come yeah. in for him because if Bentancur goes they're not uh, Juventus aren't going to sell Artur as well. So Arsenal are looking for that somebody to come in and play in that hybrid six role, you know, for them. So I like I I really I I've got a lot of time for Douglas Elise. I I'm, so I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Um I think he's a lovely footballer and if it was me, I would I would keep him. I, I would give him a new deal, and I would keep him. I would keep him around the club. I think he's got a lot more to offer, and I think he's he's going to get going to get better. And again, he's 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 still only twenty three. He's um he's he's still a very very young young footballer. And it's funny today this this day last year I did a preview with Dan on on Morgan Sanson. We signed him today a year ago, and uh, again another one of those players that yeah we just haven't quite seen. The best of at all, you know, just glimpses and, and and flashes here and there, and um, so you look at our 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 kind of options that we have with McGinn, with Ramsey, Luis, Sansa, um, Chukmoka, Chukum, yeah, Chukumek again. He's a funny one. I, I I don't know whether he want you know will he stay? Will he go? I, I just don't know. Yeah, I just I just can't, I'm I can't work answer as well. I want him to stay, but then again, I don't want to go. Do I get too attached to him in case he doesn't? Yeah, if that makes sense. But if you're, you know, if you're, what was he, eighteen, nineteen again? Like if you're, if you're that age and you're at a club like Villa and, and where where the fans want you, the club want you, you're working under one of the best midfielders that's ever played the game of football. Surely it's the perfect, it's the perfect fit. So, yeah, I hope we can get that. You know, there's there's a couple of things that that I want to see tied down quickly. I want to see McGinn tied down to a new contract. I want to see Ramsey tied down to a new long-term deal. I want to see Chuck make it tied down to a new long-term deal. I want to see Luis stay at the club and tie down to a new deal. Uh, again, brilliant to see Martinez sign a deal last mm-hmm. week. Brilliant. Uh, that, that's absolutely brilliant. Because again, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's become one of the top four or five goalkeepers in the world. You know, in the world, without a doubt. And uh, to have him commit his future. And then the, the interview that he, he gave with Michelle Ohm was the game was, was so um, refreshing. It was, it was it was a great it was a great bit of uh, a great bit of content from from uh, Tommy and the lads. So um, yeah, I mean, just want to get a few of these boys tied down and um, and really start building towards the summertime because this year obviously hasn't gone quite to plan. But I'm starting to feel more and more confident. Uh, it's rescuable as, as the season goes on. Yeah, and. Looking where we finished last season again, as you say, it's all about progression. Even if we, even if we're a couple of points better off than last season, it's still progression. It's still progression, and that's all. That's all you can ask for. And um, yeah, I, I think um, I think give Stevie G a, a full a full preseason and uh, a full summer to work with the, with with the squad and bring in more of his own players. I, I honestly think we can uh, we can do some damage. Yeah, and that's a really, really good positive note to end the podcast on, considering that we've 26 points, we're in 11th position, and we have what is arguably a nice run of fixtures too, to come over. It's not too shabby. Yeah, 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 it's looking quite... There's there's games in there where you think, we can put a little run together. If we can put a little run together, and because we're starting to cut, we're starting to cut, be, be cut adrift from the likes of Brighton and Wolves. Um, we're in there with Leicester, uh, Palace and Southampton. We're fighting for that kind of top ten, but we're starting yeah. to cut drift a little bit from Brighton and, and Wolves. 
and uh, we we need to start making up some ground on those um, on those teams. And if we can put a little run together, then uh, then then we can we can we can maybe make a little late a little late top eight charge. Yeah. Stop losing games and start drawing more games. So if games start becoming must not lose games, yeah. I think uh, as, as we go forward. But then again, I think with our with our squad depth, should we get somebody like Eventoncour in there? And look, you've mentioned like then we'd have Bones a seven. And if you include Marvelous and Akamba eight, really really dependable midfielders fighting for three positions. You know, obviously eight and three doesn't go. We may see some people go out over over the summer, but the stability in that engine room in midfield, I think, is really really needed. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, obviously the changeability in there to be able to allow us to change our tactics would be needed as well as this as the course of the season goes on and into next season as well but um no there is a lot of positive shoots at Aston Villa and I think the next six days will be very very interesting um whether it's one whether it's two people who come in through the door um I think we will see a new face in a claret and blue shirt before the end of this transfer window yeah I think well. we'll see, I think I think we'll see Joe, Joe Gomez in the in the summer I think oh, in we'll the see. summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not, not in this window, but I think, I think, I think, I think we'll see Gomez in the summertime. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll see. Like, he loves. He, Gerard loves McGinn. Like, he loves McGinn, so I can see maybe a bit of a change in captaincy. McGinn, McGinn is captain in the summer, and and I can, I can see, I can see uh, Gomez coming in. Um, that's just my opinion. That's my. That's just what I think might happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Gomez's time at Liverpool has probably come to an end, and I think. I think Gerard. I think you look at something like a like a Conza and Gomez or a, or a Mings and Gomez uh, partnership. Yeah, I think that'll be um, that'll be that'll be top notch. Well, that's food for thought anyway. Food for thought over the next couple of months as we as we see that. And I kind of tend to agree with you that Joe Gomez is. Uh, probably his time if he wants to push on within his career get back into the England squad I think maybe moving on from Liverpool just based on his age and, and the people who are ahead of him Kunate. Um, Matip and and Virgil Van Dijk, maybe maybe he his his future does lie away from from Liverpool, and it's all to be written whether it will be at Aston Villa or not. But um, I think that's going to do it for tonight. Um, as I mentioned before, don't forget the code there for Purity Podcast Partners, very very good partners of the podcast to get ten percent off at Purity. Use the code hashtag Villa View. I can't remember if I got that right the last time. I think I might have said Villa View ten, but it's definitely hashtag Villa View. Uh, if you are going to the Purity website to uh, sample some of their fantastic wares. Um, yeah, so as, as 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 you said earlier on, Chris, you know, we've got quite a quite a long time before another game. Mm. And uh, you know, we'll do some shows, yeah. We'll do some we'll yeah. we'll do a little deadline day show, I'm sure. Uh, if we can get Dan away from all of his um red carpet events, then um I'm sure we can uh, we can do a couple of transfer shows in there. Um and when we do sign Bentacore, we'll definitely get you on. In fact, we'll in fact we'll do the Bentacore show. Um <laughs> because Dan's not invited. So we'll do that show when it happens. And uh, and then we'll do yeah we'll do some sort of deadline show as well but uh, yeah that's uh, that's 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 how, how the week or week and a half will probably pan out I would imagine exactly and there'll be full steam ahead then for the oh god I forget what game is Leeds. next Leeds 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 and it's Tuesday or something for Wednesday night eight o'clock yeah 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 trying to I'm trying to get to that game but just the logistics the travel logistics just with with getting back and and going to work the next day I'm going to do West Ham I'll hopefully do West Ham away so. Nice little local, nice little local away day. So yeah, yeah. I've uh, restrictions have been lifted here in Ireland uh, last week on Saturday last week. Yes. And rumor has rumor has it that uh, you might be seeing me at Southampton and Norwich. Uh, oh, nice. Okay. All things going well. 
Oh, do do not stop uh, the London and we'll, and, we'll, and we'll get stuck into the Guinness. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, that's, that, there's a podcast in itself. We can yeah. go around sampling Guinness and, and see, which, see which ones are nice and see which ones aren't, for sure. Um, no, that's going to do it, I think, for tonight. Uh, thanks very much, guys, for having me on. Thanks a million, Chris, for carrying me tonight. <laughs> oh, thanks for carrying me, man. Thanks for carrying me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks to producer Adam for reminding me what the code is as well, which is always helpful in case I get it wrong. It's down in the bottom in the bottom right hand corner, exactly. But it was another great win for Aston Villa, one 0 over Everton. As I say, we do have uh, a bit of a break now before we have leads on that Wednesday night. Um, I'm sure there's going to be signings coming in through the yeah. door, and maybe Birmingham getting beat two 0 against Peterborough as well, and Keenan Davis getting off the mark for Forest. So as a Villa fan, it's a uh, not a bad evening. Absolutely. And what a fantastic way to end the podcast. So as Chris said, uh, guys, will probably be back with a transfer special. You never know, you might see me on here as well. And uh, until then, I think all that's really left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.